Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. If it appears that we're early to our Monday night podcast, that's because we are. Welcome into another emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, December 12th. Frank Sample joined by Scotty Dubs. Scott White. Multiple moves to address here on this podcast. Sean Murphy and William Contreras are on new teams. Part of a three-team trade. We'll get to all of it. Lots of moving parts in that one for fantasy. Chris Bassett signed with the Blue Jays uh, just today on Monday. And then we did have the Mets make a few moves since the last time we spoke. They signed Kodai Senga. They also signed Brandon Nimmo to an eight-year contract. Everybody. Everybody. Oh, man. Everybody. Wait till we get to their uh, their projected payroll as of now with the taxes included. That is just some crazy stuff. Imagine a New York team spending all this money. Crazy stuff. Anyway, let's get into this three-team deal. The A's, the Braves, and the Brewers all involved. Here is how it shakes out. The Braves wind up with catcher Sean Murphy. The Brewers wind up with... Catcher slash DH, William Contreras, reliever Joel Piams, and minor league reliever Justin Yeager. And the A's receive a haul that includes outfield prospect Esteori Ruiz, pitching prospects Kyle Muller, Freddie Tarnock, and Roiber Salinas, as well as veteran catcher Manny Pena. Like I said, lots of moving parts in this one, Scott. Let's start with Sean Murphy. The positives. Massive lineup upgrade. The A's, 29th and run scored last year. The Braves were third. Also positive. Huge park shift upgrade going from Oakland Coliseum to Atlanta. The splits, drastic for Sean Murphy. Whenever he's played on the road, he's been much better than he has been in Oakland. The only negative that I see, Scott, is that Sean Murphy could lose some playing time. That was a huge part of his value last year. 612 plate appearances led all catchers. That's a lot of volume. I'm not sure that he'll get that same amount of volume in Atlanta. Your thoughts on Sean Murphy to the Braves? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that pretty much sums it up. Uh, he hit, just to give the exact numbers, so last year 
He hit 226 with a 702 OPS at home compared to 272 with an 812 OPS everywhere else. Seems yeah. like a pretty different player. He also seemed to turn the corner from July 1st on. Sean Murphy hitting 278 with an 828 OPS over those final four months. Uh, he reached base at a 366 clip. He struck out just 17.4% of the time. And that's something we saw from Sean Murphy throughout his minor league career to a very low strikeout rate. So it seems like he might be on the verge of taking, it already seemed like he might be on the verge of taking another step even before his circumstances improved with the move to Atlanta. Yeah, the playing time issue, look, they still have Travis Darno. Uh, th- you don't acquire Sean Murphy to be a part-time catcher. So I think it's safe to say he, you know, the Braves had kind of that timeshare between Darno and, and, and William Contreras last year. They got it close to the same amount of the bats. Both managed to make the all-star team because of how well the Braves distributed at bats between the two of them. So I think you're going to see a less even split in Atlanta. But at the same time, Travis Darno uh, becomes the best backup in baseball now. So um, it would stand to reason that Sean Murphy may not play quite as much as he did last year. So I would say stock up overall for Murphy. But the stock was pretty high to begin with. So I, I, I actually can't bring myself to move him up in my rankings at all. I think it's a great point that you bring up regarding the strikeout rate. Uh, Sean Murphy, 20% overall last year, much better than previous years, 25% in 2021, 26% in the short in 2020. So it looks like he is taking those next steps and obviously, again, joining a fantastic lineup. Definitely stock up overall for Sean Murphy. How about for the rest of the Atlanta Braves here, Scott? You kind of hit on Travis Darno. I guess there's still a chance that they can move him. I saw a tweet somewhere about they might want to shed some salary. They could do that if they trade off of Travis Darno, but then they'd have to bring in another backup catcher. Maybe they just want a really good catcher tandem. That's definitely possible. Uh, but what do you think happens here with Darno? Um, and I guess potentially more playing time for Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario if they want to get those guys in at DH. What are you thinking? I think... I, you know, the thing about this trade is it's great for fantasy baseball because almost everybody involved, almost everybody just tangent, tangentially involved sees their stock go up. Travis Darneau is the one exception, I would say. I could buy the idea that they're, they're going to flip him after this deal if they hadn't just moved their all their catcher alternatives in the same deal. Right. Uh, both William Contreras going to the Brewers and Manny Pena going to the A's. So they'll have, they'll go from having a catcher surplus to a catcher shortage if they move Darno. So I, I find that unlikely. I do think Travis Darno. I, I do think the plan going in will be to give Travis Darno the majority of the at-bats at DH. Now that's a high bar to clear. And you know, as good as Travis Darno was last year, it was still like a, a, a 320 on base percentage, uh, eight, sub 800 OPS. Uh, so, you know, any regression there at all, it, it's going to be harder to justify giving Darno consistent playing time at DH. And, and look, I don't think he'll be everyday DH. Obviously, he'll start at catcher some. Uh, others will mix in at DH some Rosario Ozuna, who you mentioned. Braves still have an opening in left field as well, so you figure those two will factor into that mix if they don't do anything else 
also. Uh, but I do think, at least until he shows he doesn't deserve it, Darno is going to get the majority of the playing time. So I, I'm thinking of him like part-time catcher. I'm thinking of him like backup catcher, part-time DH. Hopefully that adds up to 325 at bats or so. He got he got closer to 400 this past year, uh, but that's that's going to be hard for Darno to accomplish in his current role. All right, potentially stock down there again on Travis Darno. We'll see if some teams and, and, kick the tires there. The Red Sox need a catcher. The Astros were linked to Wilson Contreras at one point. Uh, Cleveland was rumored to be in on Sean Murphy. So, you know, maybe those teams are looking to trade for a catcher. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'll put specifics on exactly how much I've lowered Darno in a minute once we talk about Contreras. Yeah, so let's do that. Let's talk about William Contreras, who had a fantastic season, hit 278 with 20 home runs in just 97 games played. Among catcher-eligible players with at least 350 plate appearances last season, William Contreras' 860 OPS ranked first at the position. His 228 isolated power was second behind only Cal Raleigh. Absolutely crushes the, the ball. And I think this is stock up for William Contreras too, Scott. Obviously, yep. he loses a little bit in terms of the lineup going from the Braves to Milwaukee, but it's a better ballpark. And I think he should play consistently in Milwaukee. I still, you know, kind of had some lingering concerns in the back of my mind. You know, maybe Contreras doesn't play every single day with Atlanta. I don't think that's going to be an issue here in Milwaukee. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, who else are they going to turn to at catcher? That's the thing. Like, I think the Braves' main incentive for making this deal is Sean Murphy's a defensive standout. Like, obviously, it doesn't matter for fantasy, but Sean Murphy's a defensive standout. William Contreras at least in their eyes, a defensive liability. Like they, they never seem totally sold on the idea of William Contreras as a full-time catcher. Uh, so you can, you can like, it, it may have been, it may have always been a stretch to think he was ever going to get a huge number of at bats with the Braves given their perception of him. But I don't think the Brewers have a choice. Like I think William Contreras and you know, barring, Barring some more moves, I mean, how many catchers are out there to acquire, right? Uh, I think William Contreras pretty much has to be the Brewers' primary catcher, and so that's going to lead to more at-bats than he got with the Braves this past year, which was 334. And, I mean, you point out what the percentages were for Contreras. I mean, he is he's a big bat at the position. Uh, and not just... Not just the base numbers, but you look at his stack cast page. I've, I've made this point before when we were talking about catchers for next year. William Contreras, his sliders on stack cast are almost identical to, to Wilson Contreras. And uh, obviously that Contreras, the older Contreras, has been a fantasy mainstay for a long time now. I think when you factor in the increase in at-bats, the uh, better park... It wouldn't be surprising if William actually had the better season of the two Contreras brothers this upcoming year. I'm still ranking Wilson ahead of William because of track record, but I, I think it's I think it's going to be close. Who's the better of the two of them for if fantasy? You're, if you're watching us live on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We're actually putting out a few more polls on our community tab on YouTube if you want to check that out. But I do have a poll up right now, Scott. Which catcher would you rather draft in 2023 following today's trade? Sean Murphy or William Contreras? Where are you leaning? 
Well, I already had William Contreras ahead. I think between the two, he's the one who could improve more just because of the playing time situation. Uh, if if I, I think maybe you know if you, if other people were inclined to rank Sean, Sean Murphy ahead, this is enough to get them back to get them where I already was ranking Contreras ahead. But having said that, having talked about how this improves the stock for both William Contreras and Sean Murphy, they don't really have any room to move up in my rankings. I mean, that's kind of the state of the catcher position right now. Some really good bats are already there. I'm uh, just looking at my five by five rankings here. We got JT Real Muto, Dalton Varsho, Will Smith, Salvador Perez, Adley Rushman, Alejandro Kirk, and Wilson Contreras. That's my top seven. And I don't think it's quite enough. The, the, this uh, this uh, this trade is quite enough to move William Contreras and Sean Murphy into that top seven, though. So they're still eighth and ninth for me, where they already were. I think the I think it might change my approach some, though. Where before I would have felt like, okay, I really want to get one of those top seven. Now maybe eight and nine are good enough in my eyes potential to be just as good as those top seven. But in terms of actually how I rank them, it doesn't change just because that top seven is already so good. Now, Darno, I talked about stock down for him. He actually does move down a couple spots. I had him 10th originally among catchers. I'm now dropping him behind Tyler Stevenson and MJ Melendez, uh, making him 12th in my catcher rankings. It was already a close call between those three, but now there that there are clear playing time concerns for Darno, I think it makes sense to make that adjustment. I would still take him over Cal Raleigh, I think, though you might find others who disagree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, famous last words, but the catcher position looks pretty good as of now, heading into 2023. You know, I think I would extend that even 10 catchers deep, Scott. I like MJ Melendez a lot this upcoming season. So if I can get one of those top seven, which I think is a pretty clear top seven, a very established, at least uh, top seven, and then William Contreras, Sean Murphy, MJ Melendez, part of that group, I'd be fine with any of those guys as my first catcher uh, in a one-catcher or even uh, first catcher in a two-catcher league. So let's move on over to the Oakland A side of this where Esteri Ruiz and Kyle Muller are players that I think could have value this season, right away, upcoming year, 2023. Uh, Ruiz... I think has an opportunity to play every single day. And we know the numbers were insane last year, Scott, in the minors. How is it going to translate to the major leagues? Not entirely sure. I think the jury is still out on that. But the massive season that he had, 332 batting average, 16 homers, 85 steals. 8-5, 85 steals with a 973 OPS in 114 games in the minors last year for Esteri Ruiz. And then Kyle Muller joins... I would assume joins the rotation for the Oakland A's. I think he's ready to contribute at the major league. Certainly in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 3.41 ERA, 1.18 whip, over a strikeout per inning in the minors last year. Walks have been a pretty big issue for him, but looks like he can maybe figure it out here on the fly. Big ballpark there to pitch in in Oakland. Wins are going to be tough to come by. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Scott, what do you think about those two potentially contributing this year? Esteri Ruiz, Kyle Muller for the Oakland A's. Yeah, again, these are players involved in the deal who see their fantasy stock improve quite a bit. And and so does, I said tangentially too, so does Shay, Shay Langoliers. Now, we were kind of expecting him to step into the catcher role, starting catcher role for the A's, because uh, Sean Murphy, I don't think anybody was counting on him being back. But now it's official. Shay Langoliers set to, to step in as the A's catcher. He's good power. 
a good defender in his own right. Struck out too much in the little bit we saw of him last year. And, and actually, he's going to enter the year's DH only in CBS Sports Leagues because that's where he spent most of his time because they had Sean Murphy. Uh, but he'll be picking up catcher eligibility in short order and adding to the depth at that position. Getting back to the two who are actually involved in the trade, though, Esteri Ruiz and Kyle Muller. Uh, first, I want to point out, seems like a pretty weak return, doesn't it? for uh, one of the prime trade chips on the market and Sean Murphy, a premium defender at a premium position, where, by the way, if, if stolen bases are about to surge in the majors, as we've talked about ad nauseum, catchers about to become even more premium, specifically catchers with arms, which Sean Murphy has. Right. Uh, so kind of, I'd be feeling pretty underwhelmed by this return if I was an A's fan. Not to say there isn't talent there. It just seems... Week. I mean, I, I feel like the team that really made out in this deal is is uh, Milwaukee getting William Contreras and some other small pieces while only giving up Estieri Ruiz. Right. Now, your opinion on that might be affected by how you feel about Estieri Ruiz, who is a divisive prospect. You point out, statistically, there may not have been a minor leaguer who had a better season than him last year, but the reports don't really match up to the production. He's fast, sure. Defensive liability hasn't really figured out how to be a center fielder yet, even though he has the speed. And exit velocity reading's pretty low. Pretty low. It's it's it might be a stretch to say he's going to hit for power in any real sense as a major leaguer, particularly now that he's in Oakland. Yeah. Which rated as the hardest park to hit home runs last year. Uh, so <laughs> I was kind of like, I'm, I'm going through this now with Estere Ruiz. Like, how do I value him even before this trade? Because I'm putting together my outfield prospect rankings, which I'm having to go deeper on than normal. And I'm, all, and I'm still having a hard time getting Ruiz in them and into a top 25 for outfield prospects. And, and ultimately, I came down on the side of, look, I just think he's a utility player in the long run. I don't think... If, if he's not a standout defender and he doesn't hit for much power, that probably means utility roles in his future. But going to a team like Oakland that has holes everywhere, that's his best chance of of being more than that, of getting a chance to be more than that. So I do think Esteri Ruiz is, is at least in a position now to get a lot of at-bats if he proves worthy of them. I think immediately he becomes a good uh category specialist type sleeper for stolen bases again 85 of those last year in the minors uh somebody you're going to be looking at late in in rotisserie leagues i think that's fine obviously how his spring goes might raise or lower his stock accordingly and i agree with you on kyle muller like 25 years old already feel like he should have already gotten his chance in a big league rotation it's just that the braves always had to seem Always seemed to have somebody ahead of him in the pecking order. He did make a handful of starts over the past couple of years, but was never called up to stay. You know, big left-hander, six foot six, big fastball with a lot of spin, can get whiffs on his slider and curveball as well. Has had control issues in the past, but 2.7 walks per nine innings at AAA this past year showed improvement in that regard. And um, yeah, he'll definitely be competing for a spot this spring. And if he makes it, then of course he's going to be on the fringes of fantasy relevance right away. And we'll just see if he's able to throw enough strikes to make that stuff work. 
Yep. And I agree, Scott. I think the quality in terms of the prospects that the A's received in this deal, probably lacking. But things that I've read so far is that the A's continue to go for quantity over quality. I guess we won't know for a while if, if it'll work out for them, but it seems all like prospects in, are the same. Right. That's their philosophy. They're all the same. I guess so. so. I like just to put a number on it, to put it in terms that I think the average listener will be able to understand. I would consider both Estere Ruiz and Kyle, Kyle Muller fringe top 100 guys. They might be in the 90s on some lists. They might be completely off other lists, but they're right in that range where, okay, there's a chance they could turn into to a real impact player in fantasy, but the chances are against it, probably. Yeah, and I know one of the pitchers, Roy Salinas, crazy strikeout rate, but kind of don't know, know where he's at in terms of his prospect status as well. So maybe he could develop into something, but uh, remains to be seen on him as well. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Let's slide over to Chris Bassett, who signed with the Blue Jays on a three-year, $63 million deal. Will turn 34 years old in February, but Scott, rock solid has been Chris Bassett. Jack of all trades, master of none, has six different pitches that he uses between 6% and 33% of the time. Not sure that his value changes much going to Toronto, both the Mets and Blue Jays, top five in runs scored last year, so the run support should be there for him. It is a negative park shift going from City Field to Rogers Center, but nothing that really stands out too much for me. Where are you at in terms of fantasy value on Chris Bassett? Yeah, I think the park shift sounds worse than it actually is. We've pointed out on a couple of occasions that Rogers Center doesn't play quite so hitter-friendly since they adopted the the Humidor, which was actually a, a year earlier than most other venues. So it's... It's closer to the middle of the pack, still still on the hitter-friendly side, but not so extreme anymore. And I don't think it's going to affect Chris Bassett that much if he handled the move from Oakland to uh, uh, City Field just fine. Then I think he'll be able to 
to hold it together with this one too. Has been a guy who's tended to outperform his peripherals in the past. You know, mid threes ERA, right at maybe a little under a strikeout per inning, but um, but yeah, um, should give them some volume. Should throw a lot of strikes, and we'll have a good offense backing him up. So. I would say stock basically the same for Chris Bassett. He'll be 34 next year, so you worry about some regression, but that would have been the same no matter where he signed. Yeah. Became a full-time starter back in 2019, did Chris Bassett. 93 starts since then, 3.31 ERA, 1.13 whip, just below a strikeout per inning, uh, 11.2% swinging strike rate. Again, just solid. Not flashy, but definitely gets it done. High floor pitcher for fantasy purposes is Chris Bassett. Let's talk about those Mets who are making more moves, or at least they did over the weekend. Their estimated payroll as of now, $349 million with taxes. The Steve Cohen tax, remember they created that so-called threshold for Steve Cohen brings him to $420 million after taxes. And I don't know if they're done yet. It wouldn't surprise me if the Mets make more moves. It's just crazy what they're doing right now. But let's talk about those moves. Kodai Senga, the Japanese ace coming over to the States. They signed for five years, $75 million, 29 years old, spent 11 seasons in Japan, 2.42 ERA, 1.09 whip, 10K per nine, 3.4 walks per nine. So potentially some issues here with control and command. The Arsenal mid-90s fastball. He has a forkball that's referred to as a ghost forkball. Never heard of that before, but it sounds interesting. Uh, average yeah. slider and curve based on what I read. Scott, how are you feeling about Kode Senga? Where does he slot into your starting pitcher rankings? Well, first of all, the Mets are spending that kind of money and didn't see fit to bring back Jacob deGrom. So I, I don't know what to make of that. Like They're, they're spending more money than than God has made and, uh, <laughs> and yet didn't weren't willing to pay what they needed to to bring DeGrom back. So that's that's interesting. But they have obviously added pieces to the rotation, Verlander, Jose Quintana, and now Senga. Senga uh, is pretty interesting. He throws harder than uh, than pit- most pitchers who come out of Japan. He, he peaked at 101 this past year. That's the hardest he's ever thrown. Uh, but he's, he sits in the, the mid to high 90s. Um, he does have that ghost fork that rated as the, as a better splitter than Shohei Otani had when the two of them were still in the same league. And, and obviously we've seen how nasty Otani's splitter is. So if, if Senga's is better, that's noteworthy, I would say. Now, because he does throw so hard and he's of rather small he's a of a smaller build six and even six feet um i think right around 180 pounds understandably he's had some trouble staying on the mound over the years it's not a lot of like serious like major injuries but a lot of little stuff that keeps him from taking on a that's that's prevented him from taking on a big workload year after year so you do worry about durability with him he has had control problems in japan so you worry about that as with any pitcher making that very big leap, you worry about whether their game's going to play the same way. You know, the ball is a different size over here. It's, it has a different feel, a different texture. Uh, is his stuff going to play the same way? Are his grips going to work the same way? I, I think 
you know, there's always that degree of mystery with a player making that transition. But uh, Kodai Senga was a big pitcher in Japan. And so a certain amount of enthusiasm is warranted. I rank him about uh, right around the 45, uh, right around the top 45 at starting pitcher. So I have him just behind up and comers like Jesus Lazardo, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo. Uh, But for now, I have him just ahead of reclamation projects like Charlie Morton, Chris Sale, and Freddie Peralta. So that's the range we're talking about. Pitchers with a lot of upside, but also question marks. And uh, Senga, I, I, I feel like is, you know, fits fits that moniker himself. Would you rather have Senga with the Mets or Chris Bassett with the Blue Jays? Senga, I think there's more upside there, though Bassett's not far behind. Okay. Yeah, last point on Kodai Senga. You mentioned he's kind of missed some time here. There hasn't thrown more than 148 innings since 2019. The way that it's constituted right now, the Mets rotation looks like Tyler McGill and David Peterson are on the outside looking in. Two players who we do think still have some upside here, uh, but perhaps you know there might be some times where they have to go to a six-man rotation or if someone has to miss time, those guys can fill in, but... As of now, yeah. uh, doesn't look too great for their fans. That's another thing with Senga is he's yeah. used to starting every sixth right. game, like once a week, basically. I think they start the same day of the week in Japan, each pitcher. Um, but but now he's going to be in a five-man rotation, at least most of the time, you would assume. I'm telling you right now, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander are not going to be okay with a six-man rotation because those guys are just fierce competitors. They're going to want to pitch all the time. So uh, I don't really see a six-man rotation happening with the Mets, but uh, I don't know. Stranger things have happened. Last couple of moves here. Brendan Nimmo back to the Mets on an eight-year, $162 million deal. I don't want to crush the Mets. Like Obviously, they're spending money, which is very good for their fans, and it's great for the sport. It's great for the players. I'm happy they're getting paid. Eight years for Brandon Nimmo, someone who has played more than 100 games twice in his career, just absolutely blew me away. Did not understand that. 20 mil per year, that's fine. AAV for a player like him, you know, solid OBP, okay defender. They needed a center fielder, no doubt about it. Uh, And, you know, he was pretty valuable for fantasy last year because the outfield position was pretty bad. But Scott, I I don't really understand the length of this contract. Um, What do you think about Brandon Nimmo? His early ADP is 182, according to the NFBC. We've been seeing it everywhere this offseason. Like the the contracts are blowing away sort of the predicted contracts coming into the offseason, especially in terms of length. I mean, you're talking about Xander Bogart signing an 11 year deal as a 30 year old shortstop. Right. And this one, this Brandon Nemo deal fits right along with that. Last year was actually the first year he got true every day at bats. And now he's earning this kind of money. Uh, combined 19 home runs and stolen bases combined. So, yeah, it's, it's, I look, he, he was a five, he did have a 5.1 war according to baseball reference. So, again, you'd like to see him do have, you'd like to see that he had put together a few years of doing that before you commit this kind of money to him. But I think it is fair to say Nimmo, a better real life player than fantasy player. So, that's part of the reason. Yep. This is blowing our minds. Um, you know, combined 19 home runs and stolen bases, that obviously limits Nimmo's appeal in in 5 by 5 leagues especially, Roto leagues especially. He was, however, the ninth best outfielder in points leagues because of those on-base skills, because also 
there weren't that many good outfielders. Right. Um, I don't think, you know, the, the point per game average for Nimmo wasn't that impressive. Nope. Not Two, what you'd expect from the ninth best outfielder. 2.7 fantasy points per game. That was tied for 33rd among outfielders last year. And so even in that format, I rank him only about 30th among outfielders, a little lower in, in categories leagues, obviously. So, um, yeah, just kind of a mid-tier outfielder for fantasy, even if he's being paid like more. And, um, you know, hopefully, I, I would assume, with this contract, there's not much threat of him uh, going back to being a part-time player. Yeah, no, I'd agree with all of that. I think he's a better real-life player, Brendan Nimmo, than a fantasy player. He's much better in OBP leagues as well. You know, fourth, fifth outfielder, something like that, uh, in those five outfielder leagues. You know, in a, in a three outfield league, I don't know that you're going to need Brandon Nimmo. There's not really much upside there, uh, but a name that you might need to pick up off waivers, whatever it might be. Uh, but Brandon Nimmo back to the Mets on an eight-year deal. Last one I'll quickly mention, David Robertson did sign with the Mets on a one-year $10 million deal. Will be the setup man for Edwin Diaz. And with Robertson not going back to the Phillies, looks like Sir Anthony Dominguez uh, is the closer for now. It's his job to lose. I guess there's still a chance they can either sign or trade for someone in the offseason. Uh, but as of now, December 12th, Sir Anthony Dominguez, the front runner for the Phillies' closer job. Again, they, massive. They have Jose Alvarado. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and look, if you're going to mention him, we got to mention Sean Manaya to the Giants, right? I was going to save that for later on just because like, it's not that no. big of a deal. But <laughs> <laughs> well, You mentioned David Robertson. Yeah, it was just, yeah it's, well, we'll talk about it a little bit later on because we will be back around 10 p.m. Eastern time tonight talking early starting pitcher rankings with our buddy Nick Pollock from PitcherList. So it's going to be a lot of fun there. Uh, I've got a bunch of cage matches, debates set up. We're going to tear apart, uh, tear apart both Scott and Nick's early rankings. So it should be a lot of fun. We're going to wrap there. Another emergency edition in the books for Scotty. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back later on tonight. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.